some of the mm-hmm. very, very best opportunities have come from things falling apart entirely. Welcome, everyone. My name is Shub, and I'm your host for this Alumni XCast episode, where we bring you the stories and advice of successful hair students who have once stood in your shoes and walked the same hallways as you. We not only share their stories here at Herx, but also the careers and paths after they leave. And I am extremely excited to have a class of 2005 graduate, and more importantly, the founder of the new school of yogic arts, Laura Ahrens. So without further ado, let's call her on. So before we jump into specific questions, Ms. Ahrens, can you give us some detail about you and your story? Yes, definitely. I'm Laura Ahrens. I am born and raised in New York and moved to Boston seven years ago where I run a full-time yoga teaching and yoga training and yoga retreat business, which has existed since around 2011 full-time. Ms. Ahrens, I'd like to start off by talking about yoga practice. Can you explain to us what yoga really is? Because I'm pretty sure it's more than just some green juice and yoga mats. I love that question, and I totally agree that so many think of it as drinking a green juice and stretching and expanding your pants and then going home. And to some extent, that's how it's advertised, and I think a lot of I think a lot of advertising is unfortunately um, pointing in the direction of people's fears and feelings of inadequacy in order to sell things. And unfortunately, because yoga has been westernized, it's gotten wrapped up into that. And uh, sort of some of the languaging around selling yoga has been, you're not good enough and here's how you can get better come do yoga hmm. and actually yoga doesn't see us like that at all yoga sees us as containing a spark of the divine and so much of yoga is just undoing undoing the patterning undoing the different uh, waves of the mind that cover over the truth of who we are or that come in to tell us a different story or that narrate our lives so much of our thinking is unhelpful and that's actually the so the yoga sutras of patanjali is another one of the foremost texts that we especially study in the west and it asserts what yoga is in the first few pithy phrases of the text and the first one explains that now we're going to practice yoga and maybe even could be expounded upon to mean and yoga can always take place and yoga is always taking place and the perfect place to practice yoga is the present moment but then it says yoga is the settling of the waves of the mind that the mind is constantly moving around it's evaluating things it's judging things it's grasping at things it's pushing things away it's telling a story about things i like to use a couple really simple examples to explain that uh for instance You've forgotten somebody's name before. You've forgotten your keys before. You've forgotten information before. So how can we see the mind as a perfect instrument of perception for the world around us? We just can't. For example, you know, there's atoms, but we can't see them with our eyes. 
the world is round, but we can't do that with our eyes. The stars are giant balls of gas, we can't do that with our eyes, but we've developed stronger instruments of perception for all these things. We've developed telescopes and electron microscopes and all sorts of different scientific practices for having a relationship with atoms and with stars and with the Earth from the perspective of the sky rather than on land. And we can't trust that our eyes or our minds, for that, for that matter, are perfect instruments of perception. They're showing things not as they are, but as we are. So the opportunity of yoga is to start to have a relationship with the mind that moves towards concentration and objectivity so we're not mired down in our own mind muck. I really like that actually. Ms. Ahrens, how can we use yoga to get a better understanding of ourselves and also the world around us? So a big part of yoga is the capacity for meditation, for compassion for self and other so that we're not constantly in a war with life so much of our thoughts is we're just wrestling with the way things are and that doesn't mean that we shouldn't change things because there's plenty of activism to be had there's plenty of improvement to be had for sure 100 percent. and i think yoga and activism go together really beautifully and at the same time it doesn't make what's happened okay like right now, what's happening, it's not okay. So many, mm-hmm. so many are dying. There are so many New Yorkers in specific that are dying. And there are so many that are risking their lives every day. Um, so it doesn't make what happened okay, and it doesn't mean that we won't change anything in the future, but the majority of the time we're having a mental war with what's happening. And I like to use the metaphor of a wallet because money is really tangible and it's a resource that we're all really familiar with. Um, Letting the thoughts sort of leak in every direction and misperceive things and analyze and judge things and having a constant running narrative in the brain, it's kind of like having a hole in your wallet and you're just trickling coins behind you as you walk. Um, Versus like having a really great understanding of investment and, and taking the time to put your hard-earned money somewhere safe. And somewhere not only safe, but somewhere that earns interest. And I think of meditation like that. It's the opportunity to know ourselves. It's the opportunity to use the mind in a really useful way. Uh, It's a kind of training that allows us to use the resource of our intelligence and our intuition and our brain power to live more fully in the moment that's actually happening, which is not what most of us are doing the most of the time. Most of the time, our attention is on everything. It's very broad, or it's in the future, or the past, or it's imagining something, or it's planning something, or it's ruminating and regretting about something. And so much of our time is spent in some imaginary liminal space that doesn't actually exist. It's just made up in our own minds, even just if you've ever had an experience where you're in a conflict with a friend and you're thinking about how mad they are at you and you're formulating what you're going to say and then you get to them and they say, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry if I hurt your feelings. And you're like, wait, I thought that you were mad at me. And and all of a sudden, every last little shred of what you were making up in your mind, first of all, never existed and second of all, was wasted. So a big part of yoga is learning how to use the mind in a way that draws us towards the truth of who we are and the truth of the present moment instead of spilling out all over the place. Um, A large part of yoga, too, is 
making life meaningful. And I think about that a lot right now because I haven't left my apartment in 56 days, except to go to the ground floor of my building to get a package. I've not been outside. And I know a lot of people who, I know a lot of people who find this time, it feels like a holding pen. They're like waiting for their life to start again. Mm -hmm. And I think yoga is, like I said before, yoga is not saying what's happening is okay, but yoga is saying, okay, so this is the way that things are. We're going to have an honest relationship with that. This is the way things are right now. And what can we do? Like, I'm not, I can't go out quite yet. But what can I do to make life meaningful right now where I am with what I have? And I think that's another thing that yoga yoga offers us. I also think that yoga offers us a roadmap for living in alignment with who we are. I think yoga offers us a roadmap for um, offering that kindness and justice to all beings and having a right relationship with the things around us. I think it gives us the chance to be who we want to be and who we say we are and to evolve towards the truth of ourselves rather than just what we think we should be or what others think we should be or what we think that our lives are directing us to. Some people fear or are ashamed to explore a certain career path because of their parents and their expectations for their kids. How did your parents react to you saying that you want to teach yoga as your career? Okay, so when I wanted to go into theater, my parents were like, fine, we're letting you do this. And then when I decided that I wanted to let it go and do yoga, my parents were kind of like, so we let you do theater, so now you sort of owe it to us to see that through. And they were not, they, I don't think they were thrilled. I think they were nervous. I think parents are all well-meaning. I mean, some parents aren't, but I know my parents are, and I'm sure there are plenty of people that will listen to this whose parents really mean well, even when they don't let you do something or even when they are really hard on you or they're upset about test grades or they're pushy about college they just want you to have a good life so my parents just wanted me to have a good life and they saw they're like oh god you're you want to be a yoga teacher you are going to starve on the streets and also money on your school what is going on with you i think they i think they saw me and they're like yikes you're 22 and you're all over the place and Yeah, I feel like everyone is 22 and all over the place. I have maybe met two or three people in my life that were 22, and I was like, wow, you are 50. But everyone else I've met at 22 is all over the place, and that's just how it's supposed to be. When you're 22, you're trying to figure things out in life. Your prefrontal cortex isn't even fully formed. It's, It's just people are trying to figure their way out, and I think that's the best way to learn is just to kind of waffle around and see what fits. I never would have known yoga worked for me if I just intellectually tried to figure it out. I would have decided, no, it does not. I've had this past experience with it, and it was terrible, so it clearly doesn't. Um, But so my parents were not thrilled. But actually, what's very weird about that is, it's not weird. So my, my mom is actually one of my best students. She comes to all my stuff, and not like a proud mom. She, like, comes and participates. Like, she was in my yoga class this morning. She was in my, I teach free meditation and breath work on my Instagram every single morning at 845, and today was day 51. She's been there almost every single day. I think she's been there every day. Um, and my dad comes and my sister comes too, and they're not coming because they like me. They're coming because they're participating, and that means the world to me because they're not, they're not just humoring me and sitting in the cheering section. They're, they're doing it. 
Everyone has a moment, kind of like a light bulb effect, when they realize that they found something really interesting or fascinating. Miss Ahrens, when did you know that yoga would be your career? Yeah, super weird. So uh, it doesn't exist anymore, but in Great Neck, right by the train station, there was a studio called Banda Yoga right on Bond mm -hmm. Street. And my mom's friend opened it with a business partner and my mom invited me to come. So I went to college for five years because I went for a year in liberal arts to SUNY New Pulse and I then transferred to UArts and I decided to stay there for four years. So when I was 21, it was the summer before my senior year of college and my mom invited me to go take a class there. And I remember being kind of interested in going, I don't know why, because I really had found yoga to be so boring before that and I didn't really have like a practice of physical activity. I ran track for four days in middle school. In high school, I kind of laid around a lot. I didn't do that much that was physical. I would sometimes go for a run if I really wanted to, but a lot of the time I was like pretty sedentary. I would sometimes take dance classes more so because I had to and not because I wanted to. And I liked to tap dance and that was fun for me, but I didn't really have a consistent physical practice. I wasn't sporty. I didn't really love exercising. And so, um, when my mom invited me, I don't know why I was so enthusiastic about it. I think because my mom took me to see the space and it was beautiful and it felt like a fun new thing to do. And there was the promise of going to sushi together afterwards next door. And <laughs> I decided to go and it became a thing. The owner of the sushi place knew us and always brought us special treats every time we went. So wow. I went and after that one class, I remember the day. It was July 14th, 2009. And I said to my mom as we were walking to the car, do you think that yoga is going to be a big part of my life? And she said, if you want it to be. Ms. Ahrens, can you please describe to us your experience at Herrick's? How did you feel about yoga then? Definitely. I did my first play that I was ever in when I was eight. I went to Buckley summer camp. Uh, on Long Island, and we had to pick two majors, and I loved to horseback ride, so I would always pick horseback riding, and then I had a free major, so I didn't know what to pick, so I picked that I'd be in the play, and the next year, my fifth grade class at Center Street was doing Peter Pan, so I auditioned, and I got the role of Wendy, and ever since then, I had been in all of the plays, so when I got to middle school, I was in Annie and Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat and The Sound of Music. And when I got to high school, I was in Anything Goes and Hair and Les Mis and A Chorus Line and Twelfth Night. And I went to all county, all county jazz, all state and all eastern for singing. And that's what I did a lot of when I was in high school. And I actually just remembered <laughs> recently that I took yoga as a gym replacement. Maybe it was my senior year, and I was constantly falling asleep at all of the poses and child <laughs> pose because it was first period, and I was exhausted, and I was up all night doing my homework or at a play rehearsal. And so that's that's what my that's what the majority of my school experience was. It was spending time in the chorus room, in the stack room 
spending time working on different creative projects. I was always with my friends singing at the top of our lungs. Uh, I uh, did a lot of plays and singing, and that's what I did a lot of the time. And I took uh, in stack oftentimes uh, people that are experts in their creative fields would come in and teach us. And there was someone named Rob Goldman who was a photographer and also taught creativity yoga. And he came in and I'm sure it was an exquisite class, but I just couldn't get anything out of it. I thought yoga was so boring when I was in, when I was in high school and so I just wrote it off. I was kind of like, eh, I didn't like that. I don't like yoga. Yoga's not for me. You know, out of all the stories I've heard so far, that one was one of my favorites because it shows that we may never know what a career or passion may be. And for Miss Aaron's, it was something that she thought was boring in high school. Moving on, for many seniors, the college admissions process can be brutal. Miss Aaron's, how was the college admissions process for you? Applied to seven schools and I got into zero of them. So April of my senior year, I was reapplying. In my, in my parents' oh office my with my mom at like five o'clock in the morning, crying all over the applications. Like so many of the applications were like paper. It was ridiculous. It, it, it was a different time. Anyway, so I applied to every state school and then a couple schools out of state that were specialty schools for theater and like rapidly went on some insane auditions. My mom and I accidentally scheduled the Syracuse audition and the Carnegie Mellon audition a day apart. So we were up oh. at Syracuse, like we were up at Syracuse one day and then we drove down to Carnegie Mellon the next day and that was insane. And then that was in the first round of auditions. And then in the second, the emergency round, I'll call it, I had to drive back to Pittsburgh and it just was this whole mess. and. Uh, it was very stressful, and I just decided that I would go to SUNY New Paltz for a year, which is also really funny, too, because they are such a crunchy, hippie town, and I consider myself to be such a crunchy, hippie person, and I was, like, my whole life, but for some reason, when I got to college, I was like, eh, I don't care about this, and they had so many cool vegan options in the dining hall, and there was tons of yoga, and just people wearing their Birkenstocks all year round. And now that sounds like paradise to me. But back at the time, I was like, ugh, I don't belong here. Also, what I noticed is there was like a massive lack of cultural diversity. And I was so not used to that because I went to Herrick's. And mm-hmm. I got there and I was like, where is everyone? It was very weird. It was like just the most strange experience ever. So I was, I just felt like a fish out of water. And, uh, so I went there for a year and I met some wonderful people and I took some really interesting classes. I took linguistics and I did a play and just lots of really interesting stuff. And I dove into French a little bit deeper and um, ignored the vegan options in the dining hall until 2011 when I became vegan. And now I like wish that somebody would cook vegan options for me and put it in a dining hall. They even had vegan ice cream. I don't know why I was so ungrateful about this dining hall. It was excellent. Uh, so then the next year I transferred to the University of the Arts in Philadelphia, which was another ridiculously stressful process because I didn't tell any of my roommates I was transferring because I knew that they would be hurt and I didn't know if I was definitely going to do it. And uh, so I was auditioning. I auditioned at NYU. I auditioned at um, one other place that I can't remember now and the University of the Arts. And I only got into UArts and that is where I went. 
You know what I find so hopeful about that story was that even though what felt like her world was crumbling down, she was still able to find her life calling and achieve the success. Ms. Irons, what is some advice you would give to your 15-year-old self? No matter what, but in other ways I did a pretty I had a pretty hard time being myself no matter what. And I wish that I could go back and tell my younger self, maybe not my high school self, but definitely my college self that I should just be who I am and do what I do unapologetically and not spend so much time trying to do what I think others want me to or to conform to what I think other people think that I should be. And I think I spent a lot of time being very anxious about what other people wanted me to do or what other people were going to do instead of just doing what I was going to do. And I think that that's something that a lot of people struggle with. And I think getting older helps with it a lot. Uh, if I could go back and do all of my schooling over again with what I know now as a 32-year-old, I think I think I'd have a different experience because there wouldn't be so much unnecessary anxiety and stress. And I think that's something that yoga helps a lot with. Um, but that's mm-hmm. really hard to do when you're younger. It's hard to do when you're in a school setting. It's hard to do when you're trying to find yourself in your own voice and figure out who you are in the world. But I think uh, I would... I would try to help my younger self figure that out sooner so I didn't have to spend so much time, what I call abandoning myself, kind of, uh, you know, when you encounter something or someone and you sort of put yourself on the back burner for whatever's happening in that situation or for whatever that person or you think that person wants. That's what I would help my younger self learn to get rid of faster. Everyone in his or her life deals with failure and obstacles. Ms. Ahrens, how have you dealt with failure in your life? There's no such thing as failing and you're never ever competing with somebody else. So I, I I hate to make mistakes just like everybody else or something that feels like a mistake to me but from the outside doesn't seem like one because we're always much harder on ourselves or we have expectations for ourselves and you know I I don't think that there's ever such a thing as failure. There's, I think it's hard to, I think it's really hard to remember that when we're going through an experience that feels humiliating or hard or unraveling or scary or where we put ourselves out there and we fall short or we lose out to somebody else or things don't go as expected. But I guess what I would say to someone who's having that experience is, however hard it is you are never ever competing with anybody else and there's no such thing as failure there's not there's I mean every time the first teacher training I ever did um, I came out of it thinking oh wow what an experience and then people came to me with feedback of things that I should change and make better and at first I felt a little bit crushed about it And then I saw the gift in it. I felt like I failed when I received that feedback, but then that feedback made it so much better and has raised the caliber of my school. And every time we get feedback and every time we implement feedback and every time we shift and change things to make things better based on what people tell us needs to be improved, things get so much better. So at first hearing feedback or having a failure, having something go 
not according to plan can be really painful. But to be honest, some of the best things that have ever happened to me have seemed horrible at first. Some of the very, very best opportunities have come from things falling apart entirely. Well, that's a wrap for our third episode. We would like to give Ms. Ahrens a big thanks for helping out and agreeing to give her time to do this. We all at HerxX love our listeners and work very hard to bring you the content that you enjoy. Ms. Ahrens' story is yet another example of, a fact, of the fact that if you follow your passion, you can achieve great things and that you may never know when or where you'll find what you love to do. So just keep on looking and never stop. Follow us on our Instagram and Facebook. In addition, if you're interested in contacting Ms. Ahrens, to ask her questions about her time at Herricks or yoga, you can contact her at laura at aarons.yoga. Brought to you by Herricks X. <laughs>